welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. He called God Jehovah Jireh, the God that's more than enough. And you know, I think sometimes in a religious setting, We've been taught that the mindset is, you know, I can do without because Jesus is enough. But when, when Abraham was calling him Jehovah Jireh, that, that means more than enough. You know, and when we sing, I will be content, you know, I think about Thanksgiving meals, right? When you eat enough and then you're content, you're full. You're not saying I can go without because you're enough. You're saying I can be content because when I got you, I got all the answers. Amen. So whatever you're going through, he is more than enough this morning to carry you through it. Amen. Amen. Well, turn and wave at somebody or shake a hand. Let folks know you're glad they're glad you're glad they're here this morning and you can be seated. Praise the Lord. God is a good, good God. Amen. Come on, say it with me. Say God is good. His word is true and it works in my life. Well, listen, we're glad you made it out this morning. I posted a little thing this morning that said uh, three nails and uh, a few raindrops. And what I basically said was that uh, Jesus didn't let three nails stop him from going to the cross. So don't let a few raindrops stop you from coming to church. So you guys didn't do that. So give yourself a hand. You guys look awesome. Amen. Well, we're glad you're here this morning. Those of you who call Grace your home and those that are guests, we're glad you made it out as well. If you want to know more information about the church, uh, most likely you've already been greeted by someone, especially our, from our greet team, and they've probably given you information about the church, but we're just glad you're here. But for everybody here, you know why we're here today, right? It's all about Jesus, right? We want to be a place where people can worship God, hear the word, and be a blessing. And so, uh, and, and amidst all that, they can actually meet friends that believe the same way and want to be a blessing like they do. So uh, we are thrilled you're here. Give our guests a hand and let, give yourself a hand for making it out this morning. Amen. Well, listen, this is the point of our service where we want to worship God with our giving. You know, um, we don't collect an offering, but what we do is we just let you bring it forward during the break here in just a moment and put it in one of the offering buckets. Um, uh, but I will tell you before we do that, if you have a prayer request or a prayer need, please bring those forward as well. The only way we uh, know what's going on in your life is if you let us know, unless God just lets us know. And sometimes I'm not that sensitive. I'm just a guy, right? So, uh, so if you want to know what's going on, if, if you want prayer in your life, they're on the seat back in front of you. There's a hair, a hair card, a prayer card. I don't know, this morning we're women, you know, you know, it rains and hair, you might want a hair card. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, there's a prayer card on the seat back in front of you. Just take the time to fill that out and bring it forward. Or if you're more digital in nature, you can go online and there's a way to turn in prayer requests there as well. But um, as I said, we do want to worship God with our giving. Um, you know, we're not an arm-twisting church. God is faithful. He meets our needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. And I believe he meets yours as well. And we just believe we have a group of people that are sensitive and they're being led by God in their giving. And as they do, the needs of the church are met. But what we do want to do at this moment is we want to stop and worship him with our gift. Just like we lifted our hands and said, you're more than enough, we want to bring our offering as well, because that's one of the ways we worship. And we want to say, Lord, we worship you. So whether you've given online or whether you brought an offering this morning, we want to take a moment to do just that. And I want to take a moment as the pastor to believe God for a return on the seed that you're sowing. So let's pray and let's just believe God for what he has for us and let's worship him for a few more moments. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. And we are so grateful that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for us and shed his blood for us so that we could become children of God. 
And because we're children of God, Father, we want to propagate that message to others. And so we worship you with our giving. So I thank you, Father, for the tithes and the offerings that are being given this morning, that they will abundantly meet the needs of this church and then some. They'll meet the needs of our building fund, and we'll be able to move that project forward. And I thank you that through the faithful giving of your people, that you are giving back to them through the seed they've sown, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over through the hands of men. So I thank you for raises, jobs, promotions, increase in their life so that they have an abundance to enjoy this life, but even more so to be a blessing at every opportunity they have the opportunity. So I give you praise and thanks for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, we want to dismiss our kids, kindergarten, I'm sorry, first through fifth grade. Kindergartners are already in the toddler class, but first through fifth grade, we want to dismiss them with Joe. So give Joe a hand as he exits. Amen. Thank you, Joe, for serving our kids. So if you've got first through fifth graders, send them on out. I do want to remind you as well that um, we have, um, thank you so much. Give her a hand. Give her a hand. Amen. She ain't going to get out of here without giving. Um, uh, but anyway, um, uh, we do have a youth group that meets on Wednesday nights as well, and they've got a, uh, a uh, an ice skating outing taking place here in uh, February, so that'll be fun for them. And so if you've got teens that want to uh, get involved or if you just want them to have a steady diet of the word, every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock when I'm teaching in here, we've got faithful teachers over there. They do some fun games and stuff, and then they have activities as well, so make it out for that. Okay, stand to your feet with me. Let's meet and greet for a few minutes, shake a few hands, and then we'll jump into the word here in just a moment. This last week, Delisa will be like, don't do this, but um, Delisa has led our nursery for probably the last 10 years, 7 years, 10 years. Years. Um, and uh, there are times where she's out of the service where we have prayer and we pray for people and there are women that come forward and I just think it's really important to have her there with me in our service and so if the Lord would lead you to take on the director role for our nursery this would be someone that you know says I want to lead this I'm gonna organize it. I'm gonna be responsible for it I'm gonna schedule teachers if teachers don't show up I'm gonna be the one that you know picks up the slack um, and I'll be at uh, monthly leadership meetings so I know what's going on if you're interested and the Lord deals with your heart. Don't do it if you don't want to do it, right? But if it's in your heart and the Lord deals with you, um, then pray about it, spend a week or so thinking about it, maybe a couple weeks, and then come and let us know. We'd certainly love to have you in that role as our director, as a volunteer position, but we're looking for that. And then last of all, one really fun announcement. Everybody say Super Bowl Sunday. So uh, if you're not a football fan or if you are a football fan, you'll enjoy this, all right? Super Bowl Sunday, uh, the, the Super Bowl doesn't happen until later in the day. So on Super Bowl Sunday, February the 11th, only a couple weeks away, we're going to have our annual church chili cook-off. And so uh, we're going to have a chili cook-off immediately following the service. So we're encouraging you to bring your best crock pot of chili. Uh, we'll have tables and outlets out there for you to hook that up and keep it warm during the service. And then immediately following the service... Uh, you'll be able to go through with a small cup and taste all the chili, and then we'll make votes, and we'll find, figure out who wins. Uh, we got a trophy uh, hidden away somewhere. We'll find it. Uh, but who wins? Who wins the coveted GFC Golden Chili Spoon, right? Um, and so if you're a good chili maker, uh, make sure you sign up, right? Because we need to know how many tables we need to have set up for that morning. So there's a sign-up sheet in the lobby. Make sure you sign up for that. And we're also saying because it's Super Bowl Sunday, wear your team's favorite color. I can tell you my team's already out of it, but I'm going to be sporting the Raider but while gray and silver or black and silver uh, that Sunday morning. So wear your team's favorite jersey. We're going to make it a fun day. Uh, but even beyond chili cook-off and Super Bowl Sunday, we're going to have a message, and the Holy Spirit's going to show up, and we're going to be blessed. Amen? Amen. So that's coming up then. All right. Thank you so much, Shannon, for giving. Don't you appreciate Shannon and our whole worship team? Aaron.
It was neat to see Aaron step forward this morning and lead a song, man. He did a great job. And so um, I want to go ahead and jump into the message that God has for us this morning. This is uh, actually bringing to a conclusion uh, a series I've been teaching for the last 12 weeks called God's Gift of Love. It started before the holidays carried us through the holidays, and we're going to complete that today on the last Sunday in January. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8 is our opening text, and uh, today I want to talk to you about uh, uh, God's love, it never fails. Everybody say, God's love never fails. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, and he who does not love does not know God, for God is Love. Everybody say, God is love. All right, let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for just the wonderful group of people we have here this morning. And thank you most of all for your presence that you come, you, you actually said in your word that when we come together in your name, you are here in the midst of us. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you to teach us, to lead us, to guide us this morning as we move through the remainder of our service. And I just thank you so much for using me to speak truth to your people so that when we leave here today, we can say, I'm better. My life is better. Spiritually, I've taken a step forward because I came to church this morning. So I just give you praise and thanks for accomplishing that. And we'll give you all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we pointed out every week, and this is the last week of the message, so I don't see why I shouldn't change things. This is 12 weeks of, of me saying this, but what we see in our opening text is that God is love, and we're encouraged to love like God loves. In 1 John chapter 4, it says that, you know, let us love one another. But what it tells us there is, is that for us to love like God loves, we have to know who God is. And that word, know who God is, isn't just having a mental knowledge of who he is, but we have to have an experience. That word knowledge is, is the word gnosis, and it's uh, epignosis, and it means to have an experience with God. So for us to be able to love like God loves, we can't just, you know, say, okay, then I need to do all these things that, that would look like love. No, what we need to do is press into God, get plugged into the vine. Jesus said, if you're plugged into the vine, guess what? You can bear fruit, right? And so uh, if we want to love like God loves, then we need to have an experience with him where we know who he is in his fullness. And so one of the things we're doing is, and what we've done in this particular series, is we've gone to the word of God to understand who God is. 1 John chapter 4 says God is love, and if God is love, then if we can find a biblical definition of love, then we know who God is, right? And so 1, John, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 through 8 gives us a picture of this love that God is. It says in verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And so what we see here is a beautiful picture of what love is. But if God is love, then what we can also say is this, if God is love and this is love, then this is a picture of who God is. And everything we understand about God should be interpreted through this lens of a loving God. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 through 8, if God is love, then it's no injustice to actually read these verses this way. Uh, notice verse 4, uh, we just take the word love and we put the word God in there because God is love, right? And so God is patient. 
God is kind. God does not envy. God does not boast. God is not proud. God does not dishonor others. God is not self-seeking. God is not easily angered. God keeps no record of wrongs. God does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. God always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then here in verse 8, God never fails. This is the God that we serve. This is a great picture of who he is. And there are other aspects of who he is that we are who he is that we look at in scripture, but this is sort of the filter through which we have to understand all the other character traits of God. You know, God may be a God of judgment, but God is love. So when judgment is ministered by God, we have to interpret that through the lens of this picture of who God is, right? He's a God of love. And so what we've done in this series is we've actually gone through each one of those traits and spent time talking about that aspect of who God is. Well, today I want to talk about the fact that God is a God that never fails. 1 Corinthians 13:8 says this, love, and we put this in myself, and therefore God never fails. So what does it mean to say that God never fails? You know, um, having grown up in a house that loves sports, and having raised my kids in a house that loves sports, with the exception of maybe my wife, uh, she, likes, she likes Lifetime movies. Um, the good, clean ones, right? Um, and so, uh, but having grown up in an environment, and, and even having, you know, a culture that we live in that is very competitive by nature when it comes to politics or it comes to business, I think sometimes when we say, you know, God is a God that never fails, we try to interpret that through the lens of our competitive nature. We try to interpret that to mean that God, uh, that, that God never suffers loss, God, and, and, and therefore if we walk in love, we'll never suffer loss, we'll never experience uh, a defeat in our lives. But how many of you have lived long enough to know that there have been moments where you have suffered loss? where you've experienced defeat, where maybe even you had something you were believing for and it didn't happen and the window of opportunity for it to happen passed, so that was a failure, right, in what you were believing for. That happens in life. So when we say God never fails, we need to understand that that doesn't mean that we will never suffer loss when he's a part of our lives. But what that does mean is it's something completely different. As a matter of fact, when we talk about walking in love and expressing love like God does, what we actually find to be true is, is that there will be times where you voluntarily experience loss. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21 says, For to me, Paul said this, for to, me to, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He said, for me to live here is Christ. It's this sacrificial love that I can live out. But for me to die, it'd be gain for me. I'd be better off, right? He says, for I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to part and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain here in the flesh is more needful for you. So Paul illustrates this point that many times in our life as believers, uh, we will be called upon to do things that may seem like we're actually losing, right? Because love is self-sacrificing. Love will often take the back seat. Love is not about self. Love is about others. And so I want to be really careful as I talk about this subject of a God that never fails, that we don't take on this selfish competitive mentality so that we approach every situation in life with an attitude of, I got to win. I got to win, right? Because if we approach life from that way, we're not approaching it from the true nature of the love of God because what we see here is the love of God will actually cause you to be in some difficult spots. 
at times. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8, we see this. It says, yet, and Paul said this, yet indeed I also count all things loss. Everybody say loss. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, from, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. What did he say? He said, because I love people and I love the gospel and I want to reach people, there have been many times in my life where I have taken the loss in the situation instead of the win. Right? So I want to be careful about defining love by wins and losses. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, we see this again. Paul said, I have been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can count, and at death's door time after time. I've been flogged. Boy, flogged, that just sounds like that wouldn't be fun, would it? I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day in hard traveling year in and year out. I've had, I've, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends. Everybody, have you ever struggled with a friend? Struggle with foes. I've been, at, I've been at risk in the city and at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. Ever been there before? I know drudgery and, harbor la and hard labor, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather, and that's not half of it when you throw in the daily pressure and anxieties of all the churches. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying that, listen, just because, and, and, and what I guess what the point I'm trying to make is Paul's saying that as a believer, there are going to be times where you suffer loss. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to be guilty of preaching a pie-in-the-sky mentality to you that you're not going to face defeat potentially at some point in your life, even though God promises victory. And we're going to talk about this in a minute and how we get to victory. But the point I want you to understand is, is that when we define a God that never fails by wins and losses in our individual life, we do a disservice to the God that he is really. And it's important for us to remember that. You know, not only do we, we, we suffer, but you know, think about it for a minute. You know, we can suffer loss by the hands of all these people like Paul did, but how many of you realize you can suffer loss sometime from your own stinking stupid hand, right? How many of you have done something stupid? How many of you have done something dumb? And you've looked at it and said, man, you big dummy, look at the mess you created. Right? And we can suffer loss. We experience loss. But here's the thing that I want you to understand. When we're talking about the love of God, notice what it says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48. It says, but I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, notice Jesus even said, we're going to get used, we're going to get hated, we're going to get persecuted, even if we're walking in love, right? So people can hurt you, you can hurt yourself, but you can even suffer loss sometimes just because of life. You can be just walking along, walking in love, doing everything that's right, and something bad jumps up and bites you. How many of you realize that can happen at times? So I'm not talking about if you live hand-in-hand hand with Jesus, you're not going to suffer loss. There are going to be choices to, to put yourself in the back seat. There are going to be people that do you wrong. There's going to be life that gets in the way sometimes. There's going to be diagnoses from doctors that tell you what you don't want to hear. Those things are going to happen in our lives. So then if that's not what it means that love never fails, that if I walk in love and God never fails, he, he, how many realize even Jesus chose to suffer loss? He made himself of no reputation and became a servant. He decided, I'm going to be number two in this situation. I'm not going to win out in this situation. Not, why? Because I want you to win, right? 
And so what does it mean then when we say love never fails? Well, that word fail is an interesting word. It's an it's a, a Armenian Greek word, and it means this. It means weaken, to lessen, to diminish in quality, to fall from a lofty estate. So what that verse means is, is when we say love never fails, we mean that it never weakens in your life. It is the constant thing. It is the steady thing. It is the anchor. It is the foundation for anybody that will believe in it. It's constant. It's consistent. It's sort of like a, you know, I remember Brother Hay, uh, you know, Kenneth Hagin uh, founded the Bible school I went to, and he's gone and graduated to heaven. But he told a story one time back in the 1930s of how um, uh, they were doing something in this town, and there was a hot air balloon. And this hot air balloon, they were holding it down by ropes. Um, and there was a, a child inside of the, I think it was there was a child inside of the hot air balloon. So we were trying to hold it down. It hadn't been tied down. And as it began to lift off, men began to let go and let go. And then there was one man that kept hanging on. Now, he got up so high that if he fell, he would have died. I mean, and they called for help, tried to figure out what to do. And he's just hanging there. Just hanging there. Just hanging there. Just hanging there. Everybody's watching, you know, when's he going to fall? When's he going to fall? And he doesn't fall. Well, finally, you know, the hot air runs out and the balloon starts drifting down and everybody gets to everybody and everybody asks him, how did you hang on so long? He said, I didn't hang on so long. I just pulled myself up and tied the rope around me and the rope held me there. See, the constant in that situation was the rope. The, the inconstant was his hand and his strength, Right. And, and see, what, what, the, what the scripture teaches us is that God's love is like that rope. It is the constant in the mathematical equation of life. It doesn't change when all the variables change. It stays exactly the same, just as powerful, just as great, just as awesome as it is. And so when we say God never fails, what that means is, is that even when you suffer loss in your life, even when you face difficulty in your life, His love doesn't change. It doesn't diminish. So what's the truth I want you to take away from this service? I, if you don't take anything else away, I'm going to tell it to you up front and then I'm going to support it. Is that okay? I want you to understand this, that God and his love for us will never weaken, falter, or fail you no matter what you're going through and no matter what you've done. His love for you. As a matter of fact, even on the day of judgment in this life, you know, we've got a span of this life to get it right and, and to get right with God and to accept the forgiveness he has for us. But you know, even on judgment day when this life is over and we stand before him, his love will be just as strong for the person that his justice requires that he judge. And even though he looks at them and says, you never accepted what I gave you and so holy justice says you can't have a relationship. It's over, right? His heart's going to break over that. His love never changes in any situation in our life. And so the first thing we need to understand then is this, is that God's love doesn't undergo power surges. How many know what a power surge is? You know, a power surge could mean, you know, there's a real tax on the uh, power in a room and the lights go dim, right? Or it could mean there's a real charge of power in the room and the lights go really bright and they burst or whatever, right? But here's the thing you want to understand about God's love. It's constant. It never falters. It never fails. It never wavers. The, the love of God in your life right now is as strong as it needs to be to change your situation. 
Because it's all of God's love. He's not withholding any of it. When Jesus shed his blood and he, and he rent the, temple, uh, the veil of the temple in two, his love came rushing out to us in all its fullness to all who would receive it. See, in those moments when, 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 when power surges happen in our life, how many of you had a power surge happen in your life? Maybe it's a doctor report. Maybe it's a death of a loved one. Right? When that happens in our life, maybe it's a disappointment, maybe it's a broken relationship, maybe it's a personal failure. When that happens in our life, we tend to think that somehow God has removed his hand from us. We tend to think that in those moments, we're crying out to a God who's not present in our lives, especially if we're believers. We, we tend to think that, you know, somehow God has lessened his love for us, and that's why this has happened. Let me, let me just give you a truth right up front. When bad things happen in your life, it's not because God has lessened his love. It's not because God has done a bad thing to try to teach you something. It's absolutely 100%. We just fail to connect somehow with his love. Whole different message. We could go on for weeks about that one, and maybe we'll at some point. But even in Jews, how many of you realize that in those moments we can be faced as a human being when you're disappointed in life? How many have you ever been faced with the thought, why didn't God come through for me? It's okay to be honest in church. If you can't be honest here, then man, where can you be honest, right? Why didn't God come through for me? And that's the natural human response in those situations. Jesus, in his humanity, even experienced those thoughts. You say he did? Well, the Bible says he was tempted in all points as we were, right? So when did he? How many of you realize when he hung on the cross, there was a moment where he said the words, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His humanity looked at the situation, right? But here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. He never faltered. How many of you really, if, you, if asking a question is not sin, See, some people are afraid to question situations. It's okay to ask a question, and asking questions is not sin, but coming up with the wrong answer and embracing it's a real problem. And what we see is, is in that moment where he was betrayed, where he was hung on a cross, we see the humanity of Jesus crying out, very similar to how we do when something goes wrong in our life. When devastation happens, what do we do? We cry out, God, why did you not, why did you forsake me in this situation? When the reality is, he never forsook us. Because what we see is Jesus actually, at the end of his testing, at the end of his trial, at the end of those three days as he was laying in the belly of hell being tormented by evil spirits for us, we see David prophetically saying what Jesus said at that moment. He said these words in response to why have Notice he didn't answer the question. Why have you forsaken me? But now he's answering. He says, oh Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. Notice this. You will not leave my soul in Sheol or hell. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. See, Jesus fell back on a truth, and that truth is God's love never falters, never fails, never weakens. And there be may be moments in our life where the pain is screaming so loud that we can't feel the real love of God that's present, that's helping us. 
but it is there supporting us. It's always been there for you. It will always be there for you. The love of God never fails. This is what David said, how precious is your unfailing, there's that word again, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. So notice God's love provides shelter for any human being that will call upon it. It's unfailing. It's never waning. It's, never, it's, it's, it's right there at the door. I'm telling you the love of God. And I gotta, when, when God's love shows up, power is dynamic power and it's working is made available. And that love is charged in this atmosphere, not because we're some special church, but because God's love has been released from the veil and it's now out for any man to receive it. And we're collectively here and he's here and he says he's here because we came in his name. And that power is available for whatever you're going through. I don't care how bleak and how dark the circumstance is, it's, it's here available for you. Which leads me to my next point. Because we know that God's love is a constant, it doesn't change, it's always there. We should embrace that God's love does not diminish when we go through difficult times or experience spiritual attack. Notice God's unfailing love is a shelter. Well, how many of you realize a shelter is needed when there is a storm? So what that tells me is in the midst of the storm, the, sh the shelter's still there. It hasn't changed. It's there. That love is available. That means that this unfailing quality is sustained in the storms of our life. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 10 said, For, I think that, it might be Isaiah, For the mountains may move and the hills disappear. <laughs> but even then my faithful love will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken. See, when bad things happen, what, the, the question is not to ask, why did this happen, God? The question is not to ask, why did you fail me, God? But the question to be answered is, I don't know why, and I don't know what, but I do know this, His love is faithful, and it will not leave me, and it will carry me through if I will hang on to it. No attack in life, no demonic power, no blow delivered by the hand of a man, no weakening that you can experience from your own failures can separate you from this love being available to you in your life. Romans chapter 8 and verse 39 says, No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation. Woo, this is good news this morning if you're a believer will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus. That means that whatever curveball the devil or life throws at me, I am still in his faithful hand and he will bring me through it. Amen. And so I need to recognize that when we talk about a love that never fails, God's love doesn't weaken in difficult times. Just because the pain is screaming louder than the love you can feel doesn't mean that the love that God has for you isn't supporting you. It is carrying you through a difficult time. You know, I think about the footprints, you know, poem. Have you all, how many of you ever heard the footprints poem? How many of you haven't? If you haven't, look it up, Google it, all right? I won't go through it. But it basically, the illustration of it is all is somebody's crying. They're looking at, I'll just tell it to you. Um, 
Somebody's looking at footprints in the sand, and they're looking at it's a, it's a span of their life, and they're seeing two sets of footprints, and it's you know it's picture of them and God walking together. But then they get to that difficult point in their life, and all of a sudden they see only one set of footprints. And the person looks at God and says, God, why weren't you with me during that difficult time? And he said, I was, my child. I'm the one that was carrying you. See, what we need to understand is, is that God is always with us, and it doesn't diminish when we go through difficult times in those moments we need to bolster our faith and remind us that it is the strength of his love even though he didn't send the problem even though he didn't create the issue even though he didn't bring the death right because death is an enemy and God doesn't work with his enemies right even though that happened even though life got in the way and caused this pain his love is the constant. It doesn't falter or fail. This should also remind us that God's love doesn't weaken and falter or fail when we fail ourselves. Psalm 103 and verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Everybody say merciful. Slow to get angry and filled, notice here it is again, with unfailing love. Unfailing, that word unfailing, Hebrew version of the Greek word that we just heard about. It doesn't mean that it doesn't suffer loss. What it means is, is it doesn't falter, it doesn't weaken, it doesn't fall from its lofty estate. So what that verse is saying is that even when you're in need of mercy, he doesn't love you less. He doesn't withhold from you. His love is still available to you if you'll lean into him. See, mercy means withholding punishment when punishment is due. How many of you ever done something where you deserve what you're getting? But thank God because of the blood of Jesus, we don't get what we deserve if we'll trust in the love of God. We can lean on it. We can ask for that forgiveness and that mercy will come shining through and that love will become evident in our life to help us. We see it in the offer of salvation. If anyone's not born again, Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. His love didn't falter and fail when we sinned and fell short of the glory of God. His love sent Jesus and gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. And we see it in his gracious forgiveness for us after we've accepted Christ and we're believers. See, I think some people fall into the situation, well, I've accepted Jesus, I got my ticket to heaven, but God's not real happy with me right now. We, we live with such a, a, a mindset of our humanity and our faults and our failures and fail to embrace the truth that God, Jesus, died on the cross and forgave us for all those faults and failures and God sees us through the lens of the blood of Jesus as a believer. And as you walk through life and you're, do, you know, you're a human being and you make mistakes, maybe even willful choices to do wrong, if you'll return to him, he'll forgive you. But even while you're returning, his love is constant. He's still at the door. <laughs> he hadn't given up on you. He hasn't stopped loving you or, love, or he doesn't love you less. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9 says, If we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. You know, I, that, how many of you would be pretty arrogant to say you're perfect? I mean, now, in, in Christ Jesus, how many realize you are perfect in Christ Jesus? You have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But our sanctification and walking that out every single day, so there are times where we fall short of that. Doesn't mean you have to, doesn't mean it's God's will that you do, but it happens. 
And what he's saying here is that in your righteousness as a whole, because in in the first part of that chapter, he says he's writing to believers, right? He says, my brethren. So he's talking to Christians here. And what he says here, he says, brothers, you know, if you claim you don't have sin, you're a liar. He's not saying if if you're not the righteousness of God. What he's saying is if you claim you're perfect and there's not a road you need to walk and grow in as a believer, then you're lying to yourself. But... Oh, thank God for that but. Amen. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. See, what that tells me is the love of God is constant. Even as a believer, after you've accepted Christ, if you sin, if you fall, if you fail, his love is constant. It doesn't falter. Amen. As the musicians come, what did we learn this morning? God's love never fails number one it doesn't wane or grow weak or falter god's love does not suffer brownouts or blackouts number two it doesn't do so in difficult times and it doesn't do so when we make mistakes and faults and failures you know one of the best instances i find of this truth that even in the midst of loss love never fails One of the best instances I find of this is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you remember hearing that story when you were growing up in school? Three Hebrew children. I'm just going to read it to you. And I want you to see the understanding that these young men had of God's love for them, in spite of surprises and turns in the story that they didn't expect. Notice what it said here in chapter 3 and verse 3. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it on the plains of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, whatever that is, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. How many of you realize for anybody that loved God, that was bad news? Right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego serving God, and all of a sudden, here comes this curveball. Right? Go on reading, verse 7. So at the sound of the musical instrument, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Some of the astrologers went to the king and informed the Jews, down to verse 12, informed him on the Jews, how all the Jews bowed. But, they said, there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and did not worship the gold statue you have set up. So I want you to think about this for a minute before we move on in the story. Decree comes out, bow your knee, or you'll be thrown in the fire. These young men say, no, we're going to trust God and obey God. So they obey God. And then all of a sudden, they obey and obeying God, more trouble comes. Right? You ever been there before? I was doing right. I didn't deserve this. I was doing the, I was on the right side of this equation. And how many realize sometimes that is absolutely true? You were. 
Sometimes, you know, everybody says, it's, you, know, t- you know, there's a right side, a wrong side, and somewhere in the middle is the truth. That's, that's typically the truth, right, in an argument. But sometimes, there ain't no way cutting the mustard any other way than they were wrong and you were right. And it doesn't mean you get bitter and angry over it, but that just happens sometimes. You doing right and somebody did you wrong. Well, I don't understand that. They, they could have done this. They could have said, God, we did what you said. Why don't you love us enough to protect us? Why didn't you shield us from this problem? goes on to say in verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. It gets worse. Ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. And when they had brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue from my, you from my power? Or rescue you from my power? So here we are, doing right. It gets worse. But I want you to see the confidence these guys had in the love of God. You don't see them hitting their knees and saying, Oh, God, why did you forsake me in this moment? You don't see them saying, God, show us what we did wrong so we can fix this. Because <laughs> how many of you don't realize sometimes you can do some things wrong so bad there's almost no way to fix it? <laughs> what did they do? We're going to find out what they did is they just leaned back on the constant truth that I don't know why it happened, I don't understand it, but I know this much, God's love is the constant through this and it hasn't waned and failed me. Verse 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. So notice first they said, we believe he's going to deliver us. But notice what it says in the next verse, but if not, are they saying if God doesn't deliver us? No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying that if you still chose to throw us in the fire, right? But if not, if you choose another way, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor we worship the gold image what we have set before you. These guys didn't question the love of God. They said, look, we believe God's going to deliver us from the fire, but even if you choose to throw us in the fire, we're not going to question our God. We're not going to wonder where his love is. We're going to realize that his love is there even to sustain us in the midst of the fire. And we know the rest of the story. The rest of the story we find that what they say is, it says, then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than what it was usually heated. Still, they did not question. God, we're doing what's right. Where's your love? And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in the army to to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He cast them into the fiery furnace, verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. How many of you realize there might have been a moment there? Wait a minute, where's God in this? Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Oh, here comes the good news. 
He rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loosed, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like unto the Son of God. What do we find true in this story? That no matter what you're going through, and no matter how much loss you suffer, and how many times you consecutively suffer it in your life, the love of God is sustained there, and there will always be a fourth man in your fire. His love never fails. I'm reminded of a couple years ago. This story is dear to my heart because it happened to me. Several years ago, I suffered a double pulmonary embolism, and yet I'm a man that preaches that it's the will of God for us to have divine health and healing. Right? Remember somebody told me one time I had to go get a checkup and they're like, I won't tell anybody. I said, tell everybody. They were like, yeah, I had to get a checkup over, you know, the, I won't tell anybody. Like, like it was some failure that I didn't, that I had a pulmonary embolism. I said, tell everybody. I'm fine and well, right? He brought me through it. He didn't fail me. I didn't connect somehow. Something happened. Life jumped in the way. There's still questions I have about that one. But what I do know is true is this, that in the midst of my trial, when they couldn't figure out what was going on, and they're about to go into my heart through both of my go into my lungs through both through my heart through a double, you know, uh, 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 catheter. I lay on that gurney and I remember looking at it and saying, "Lord, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand why I'm going through this, but what I do know is, is that you love me." And I heard these words in my spirit. I almost as if they resounded in my ears. I heard these words in the first person spoken to me, yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of the death, I am with you. And when I heard the I am with you, it resounded in me and great joy and expectation rose up within me. Why? Because I knew he hadn't left me. He hadn't failed me. His love didn't fail in spite of the supposed loss. Now I can testify you to this day by hanging on to that love, God has proved himself faithful. I had a checkup about uh, nine months ago when they told me no signs that you ever had this thing. Why? Not because I'm something special, right? I mean, the thing happened to me, so there had to be a mistake on my end somewhere. But his faithful love didn't fail me. This is why Paul could say, now thanks be unto God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. He didn't say thanks be unto God that always causes us to win in every situation. He said he always causes us to triumph. What that means is to, how many of you have to, to triumph? You've got to face something to triumph. You've got to do something you've got to overcome. There are going to be problems. That's why Jesus said, in the world you're going to suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer. Why? Because my love ain't ever going to leave you. And if you'll hang on to that in spite of all the questions, in spite of all the why, I will carry you with it. Just fall back on my love. Don't question why there's a battle. Embrace that he was there before the battle. He'll be with me in the battle. And he'll be with me when it's gone. Amen. His love never fails. It keeps coming at us. Here's another one. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but... The Lord delivers him out of them all. Paul said it this way, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Why? He tells us why in Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. We know that in spite of the attack, God didn't send it, but God's going to work it out for our good. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. In those things. Didn't say they wouldn't come. It said they're going to come and in them you're still going to be more than a conqueror. Why? For I'm persuaded. Why? Why? For I am persuaded. What are you persuaded of, Paul? That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me. Here it comes. Woo! From the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. His love is more than enough. It will sustain you. It will carry you through. Amen? He's a good God. He's a good God, and his love will never fail you. No matter what you're facing, stop asking why and start leaning in to the love of God. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that your love never fails. All the things we've talked about over these past 12 weeks, none of that wavers towards us. It never fails. It is the constant in our life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's the light in our darkness. It's the hope in our despair. It's the strength in our weakness. It's the peace for every care. It's the anchor in the raging seas of life. It's the shelter in a storm. It's the constant that will not fail us, for it's unfailing forevermore. Father, thank you for your love. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and first of all, if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he sent his son to die on a cross for you, to shed his blood for you, because he loves you, and that love has never waned. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you want to do that for the very first time, you say, I want to open my heart up to someone who loves me that much, and give him my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now in that moment? You not, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Anyone at all, just raise your hand if that's you. Anyone at all. Secondly, then this, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to do this this morning. If you're going through a storm and you've wondered where God is, He's saying to you right now, I've always been right here lean into me in this moment trust in my love in this moment and I will carry you through to better days if you're going through a storm right now I just since there might be someone there might be a few I want to just agree with you I want to break the power of that storm over your life in Jesus name as you lean into the love of Jesus 
You may be hurting so bad that you need the healing from his love so that you can move forward. If that's you, would you raise your hand and say, that's me, I'm going through a storm, I'm going through a storm. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, and then all of us, the rest of us are in good shape. Here's what I want to do. Everybody stand to your feet with me. I'm going to ask you just to sing that, that he is more than enough. If you raised your hand, I want you to come forward. I want to pray with you. I want to agree with you that this God of love, that strength that's available to you, you, you get that this morning. The rest of us, I want you to raise your voice and thank God as we sing this song for a love that has never failed you. Look back over the course of your life. Those difficult moments, his love was there whether you realized it or not. And he's there today to carry you through to great things. Amen. Let's worship, Shannon. Go ahead and come forward if you raised your hand. If you guys will come forward, just make your way to the front. Come on. Just come on out this way. Come on.
we've learned about over the last 12 weeks, none of those falter, weaken towards you. They are there for you in every circumstance. God is patient. God is kind. He doesn't envy. All of those things. And what we learned today is life may surprise you. People may abuse you. You may even disappoint and sabotage yourself, but His love never fails. <laughs> It's there to sustain us and carry us through. Point of this whole series is what? That we would understand God so much that we would be this kind of love in the lives of others. I want you to notice Paul's prayer for the church at Ephesians, and I'm going to close with this. It says, Paul prays, he says, I pray that you will understand with all of God's people how much Christ loves us. That love is very wide and long and high and deep. Christ's love for us is so great that nobody can ever completely know it. As you understand this more and more, notice this, God's own nature will completely fill you. You want to be a person of love? Lean into love. Lean into who he is. Lean into a God who will never fail you. Amen? Amen. Prayer partners, if you'll make your way to the front, if you had a need or you wanted someone to pray for you this morning and you did not receive prayer, Prayer partners are here, up here for you, and they'll agree with you here at the end of the service. Just feel free to make your way over there as everybody's exiting, and they'll pray for you. But uh, don't forget about our um, uh, vision casting uh, meeting this coming Wednesday night. And also don't forget about our chili cook-off as you're leaving. Make sure you sign up if you're going to bring a good pot of chili, and it uh, should be a good time together at that as well. But let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you never fail us. That every attack and every bad thing that happens in our life is a result of us not connecting or a bad devil or just life. But man, in the midst of all of it, you are there to carry us through and deliver your promises in our life as we agree with you. So I thank you for that in the lives of each person here. Thank you for your angels camped about them, keeping them safe and protected. Thank you for as they go their way, they'll share this good message with others. And they'll bring others back to worship with us next week as we turn our hearts towards you again and again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you Wednesday or Sunday, hopefully. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.